Good Tuesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us on the Jerry and Jerry Show. We are live wherever you get your social media content. We're uh, a mile away from the John Paul Jones Arena, a mile away from Scott Stadium, and a hop, skip, and a jump from the grounds that Thomas Jefferson built at the University of Virginia. We'll talk all things ACC-related, all things orange and blue, and Wahoo-related. We are seeing... Another level of Reese Beekman, a floor general of, of, of defensive uh, talents, now showing offensive acumen. We'll talk Reese Beekman today. We'll see the, uh, the impact or analyze the impact of, of Dante Harris and, and, and Jordan Minor as these two players are really changing the dynamic and the makeup of Tony Bennett's starting lineup. The Wahoos have NC State on the docket for tomorrow, 7 o'clock tip-off, ACC Network. This is a very good Wolfpack basketball team. We'll get Hootie Ratcliffe to break that down. And the 2024 ACC football schedule released this evening. We'll get Hootie Ratcliffe's take on that. And how about Kamora Johnson? I mean, she's wow. absolutely dynamic, this point guard, a local gal from St. Anne's Belfield Academy, making her impact uh, on the hardwood as a, a, a youngster uh, um, for this Virginia women's basketball program. Judah Wickhauer gets some props, the director of the show. If we can MVP, go to the MVP. MVP. He's, uh, Hootie Radcliffe has dubbed him Mr. Consistency. Yep. Um, he's the glue guy of our, our team. Absolutely. And the star of our team, the Reese Beekman. Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. My friend, I, I can't wait to pick your brain, not just on basketball and football, but your time in media. I, I jested or joked a little bit that you've jet-setted around the world. Um, but you, how many states have you been to? Uh, let's see. I, I'm seven shy of, of getting them all, so 43. Um, it's Which funny. ones haven't you been to? It's funny that uh, back in the day when all the beat writers and there used to be a lot of beat writers on the Virginia beat when newspapers were flourishing and we were all having a contest to see who could get to the 50 states the fastest and I don't think anybody has gotten there I think Doug Dowdy actually (laughs) has been to 48 or 49 I've only been to 43 Uh, the ones I'm missing uh, oddly enough there's a couple of them that I've had chances to go to and declined uh, for, uh, for business reasons, but uh, uh, New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont, I have not been to. Oklahoma, uh, North Dakota, New Mexico, and Hawaii. Doug Dowdy, he mentions the uh, uh, notorious and 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 certainly famous beat writer for Virginia with the Roanoke Times. Yeah. Um, you know him quite well. Um, give us some, uh, some, some insight into the, the publishers and the media companies that you've worked for. You rattled them off in our pre-production meeting. Uh, well, uh, Bill Kirkland stands alone. I've never worked for anybody who was uh, such a cool guy. I mean, he, and he, was, he, he was a very intelligent man, but he was also a huge sports fan. He, was a big, he went to... I think he went to Davidson and was a big Davidson and a Duke fan. He 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 retired to Durham. I think he lives in Florida now. But um, which paper did he own? He well, he wasn't. The, he was he was the publisher okay. here here when I got here, and uh, he he plucked me out of nowhere. And uh, I think I was one of sixty people that were trying to get this job. And, um, he plucked you out of Southwest Virginia, out of Pulaska County, out, out of Danville, actually. out of Danville. Okay. Yeah. And um, but um, uh, he he was just a, a fun guy to work for, because you know, if even if Virginia wasn't in the NCAA tournament, if Duke or Carolina or, or somebody else that he thought the ACC readers and Virginia readers wanted to follow through the tournament, he would send me to cover them. Uh, so I, I had the opportunity to go to Buku Final Fours with uh, other schools other than Virginia. And, uh, you know, he would just do cool stuff. Uh, you know, back when there used to be a Chapel Hill newspaper, uh, I remember one year he uh, had a bet with the – I think this was during the Samson-Jordan era. Uh, he had a bet with the publisher of the Chapel Hill paper and uh, the – loser of the North Carolina-Virginia game had to run 
their masthead and the other school's colors the next day. So, uh, yeah, he just did cool little stuff like that, and he was just a fun guy, and he understood the importance of sports in a newspaper. A lot of people don't realize this, the sports section and uh, newspapers, the most read section by far. It's not even close. Um, Second, depending on the surveys, obituaries. Mm-hmm. And when the weather page had merit, it was often in the top five as well. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize that A1 or the front page often did not fall in the top three of the most read page uh, sections of a newspaper. The star of a newspaper was these guys, the columnists, uh, the sports columnists in particular, had his photo uh, in the newspaper. Uh, everyone routinely went to you first to read what was on your mind. Give us some perspective when you first took the job coming from Danville to Charlottesville, what it was like to be on the UVA beat, uh, first coming to Charlottesville. And what was Charlottesville like that you remember when you first got here? Well, it was cool uh, because I, I thought that's when the ACC was in its heyday in terms of basketball and maybe football to some degree. Um, I mean, Samson, it was uh, early in the Samson era and – even though uh, at a, when I was at other newspapers, I covered other ACC schools like Wake Forest and Duke and North Carolina and NC State and some Virginia Tech and some Virginia. So um, it, it was different coming here because uh, I just felt like it had a different reader base than maybe some of the other newspapers I had worked for prior. And uh, uh, there was just a extremely heavy emphasis on sports and I, t- I tried to uh, the first person I called was Bill Millsaps at the Richmond Times Dispatch who was kind of my guru and um, just picked his brain and he said uh, well, he said the first thing you want to do is is make sure that you're the columnist and even though you're the sports editor but that would be a dinosaur these days they don't do that anymore but um because that's that's what people are interested in. They want to know opinions and what's going on behind the scenes and stuff like that. And um, it, it was just fun. I wanted to be innovative and, and do some things here that had never been done before. And we tried to uh, – we introduced stat packages into the newspaper, which nobody in the state was doing that at the time. Um we put a huge emphasis on recruiting, uh, which I think only Dowdy was the only other guy in the state doing that. He did uh, a good job with that. He did. Yeah. And um, and uh, I was influenced by a guy named Steve Ellis at the Tallahassee paper, and this was a few years later when the Internet came around, and, and he, he, said, uh, he said, you've got to – really boost your national signing day coverage and all that stuff. He said, he said, uh, here covering Florida state, uh, there was so much interest in recruiting that it, it broke our internet. And so we even stepped it up more in that department. We, we did some cool things. Um, we would run a uh, for home games, sometimes road games, but for home games we would run what they called a double truck. Oh yeah, um, it's the middle of the newspaper where you fold it out and you got two pages facing each other. And we would run a uh, a double truck with some really big pictures, and um, uh, sometimes it would be in full color, uh, and we would. We would have begin with our coverage of the game with a column and a game story out front, and then inside we would run notebooks and uh, plays of the game. We would run um, uh, a quote box. We would run sidebars on people who had outstanding games or in or key parts of the game. We would run a breakout of George Welsh uh, cartoon. Uh, with a quote from the big quote from George from that game, we just we try to do a lot of things that nobody had ever done in this state before, and and our readers responded in a very positive way. When did you uh, start seeing? You were there when it started going from family and locally owned to out of market, corporately owned. Uh, that's when I started working for Hootie Ratcliffe. 
My first job out of the University of Virginia was um, as a stringer mm-hmm. for Hootie Ratcliffe, then a stat writer or a staff writer, then the preps editor. Uh, and I remember starting as stringer. That was right when Media General um, took over ownership of the uh, Daily Progress. And I'd go into this. Uh, this shows you how uh, young I was. I'd go into the uh, office supplies uh, closet, and the closet was basically this huge shelf. Uh, remember <laughs> behind Molly, right? Molly uh, now Crawford, I believe then Akil. Yeah. She was the uh, receptionist at the newsroom. Mm-hmm. She actually reached out to me the other day and said she loves the Jerry and Jerry show. Oh, awesome! And loves seeing us together. And there was this closet or this this big shelf, if you may, with. <laughs> pens and and the tiny notebooks that you can hold in your hand and the big notebooks that were yellow that were legal size and pretty much everything you needed if you wanted to be a reporter and you were you know I was covering high school sports at the time and wherever he set me University of Virginia sports wise it was often the uh, non-revenue sports and then as I went from stringer hoodie to staff writer and then preps editor with media general I started watching (laughs) This, this, this container of office supplies go from an abundance, and they weren't tracking at all, <laughs> to slim pickings by the time I was, you know, my, my final heydays and my final weeks at the newspaper. There were less and less notebooks, less and less pens, till the point where, like, at the end, I was pretty much providing my own um, right. office supplies. But your, your flipbook, if you may, from um, locally owned newspaper, Daily Progress, to out-of-market, corporately owned, penny-pincher mindset, what did you see? Uh, well, the f- the first few years, things were great. Our, our budgets, uh, I was able to uh, propose my own budget back then, and I, re- I remember asking Millsaps, I had never done a budget before, and he said, shoot the moon, boy. <laughs> 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 and if you get half of it, be happy. But uh, um, I, the first several years, it was great. I mean, our uh, budgets increased, uh, our travel was uh, somewhat unlimited. Uh, I had a great job for a long time, and a lot of people said, why did you stay here? Because you had opportunities to move on to bigger papers, bigger markets, and uh, I had it made. I mean, I could cover the Super Bowl. I could cover the U.S. Open. I could cover Final Fours. I could go to bowl games. I could cover Baltimore Orioles or the Washington Nationals. Uh, I covered the NFL and the Washington Redskins on and off for 15, 16 years. Uh, did a lot of really cool things. And, uh, you know, why why would you <laughs> leave a scenario like that? And you love Charles. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably should have, but uh, I'm, I'm not sorry that I didn't. Um, viewers and listeners, we'll get to your comments here. This is a, a, a very good one um, for Hootie Ratcliffe. Um, and this is from Jennifer, who's watching in Richmond. When did, uh, when did Jerry start seeing the beginning of the end for newspapers? I think it was in the mid-'90s, somewhere around there when... Uh, the mid-'90s, wow. Yeah, I, I think that's when the Internet became so prevalent and they started giving the product away online. And all of us old heads looked around and said, wow, you know, if, if they're giving the product away... Who's going to pay for it? This this has got to lead to doom at some point, and certainly it did. Um, uh, it was the cool thing to do back then because some of the bigger papers were doing that. I, I don't know the rationale behind it, um, but it ended up blowing up and blowing up the industry at at some point. And they tried to save it with firewalls and stuff like that, but it. It it never came back, and, and sadly, it it never will. Well, maybe some day, and when I'm not around anymore, but I doubt it. Yeah, I, I doubt the uh, the print product is going to be what it what it was. Last question, and then we'll get to Virginia basketball. Reese Beekman, NC State, that win against Georgia Tech, and a Wahoo team that may be turning the corner with um, its performance on the court. Do we, uh, in retrospect, if the newspapers had come out of the gate? and charge for the content online from day one, as opposed to going maybe a decade plus of giving it away for free, and then after a decade plus, 
newspaper said, oh my gosh, we now have to start charging for this. And then when they institute a paywall 10 years after giving it away, readers got trained to expect the news for free. Mm-hmm. And then they were hesitant to pay for it, and they never came back from a subscriber standpoint, um, you know, from a frequency or number standpoint, that, 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 that was the peak of print. Yes. Do, you think, do you think that had they have gone from day one of charging for the content online, it would be a, a different news landscape? It's difficult to say. It's probably above my pay grade because I didn't make those kind of decisions, and, and I don't know the finances of running newspapers. But um, it would have been an interesting experiment to see if that had worked. But uh, as you know, the newsprint became ridiculously high for papers to purchase. Um, Expensive, he means, yeah. And, and, you know, I think the expenses just overwhelmed most newspapers because, you know, if if you look back at it, a a lot of papers were chintzy to begin with. They they didn't pay people well. Uh, It was long hours. um, Brutal hours. Brutal hours. uh, Not a lot of loyalty from management for most uh, at most newspapers. Uh, Loyalty from your editors like him. Not loyalty from the publisher's office, or 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 maybe even above that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I saw so many people. Not just it, it, it. I mean, newspapers all over the country where people were just threatened. You know, don't work overtime. We're gonna, we're not gonna pay you for overtime, but they expect you to expected you to work overtime. You couldn't get the job done right if you didn't. Uh, put in a lot more hours than you got paid for. but And I'm not complaining because I loved what I did, but uh, there was a lot of abuses from major management of its employees, not just here, but all over the country, I think. And that, that certainly didn't serve them well either. Yeah, 100%. That's what I remember. The final straw for me was when they, uh, uh, when I was working uh, till 1 a.m., putting the paper to bed, uh, Tuesday... Through Saturday, my days off were Sunday and Monday. Um, literally, would take the first few copies off the printing press on Rio Road in Charlottesville to proofread to see if there were any other mistakes. Management comes to us and says, "You're going to need to take some furloughs. All of us are going to take furloughs. Basically, uh, days off without pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still want you to work these hours, uh, but we're not going to pay you overtime for it anymore. Um, and we're da- drastically reducing." the budget for stringers, but we still want similar content out there. And I was like, okay, how's this going to work? Yeah, I'm not going (laughs) to sleep here. Um, This guy, Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, has got Rob Craig watching the program right now. I see a handful of states watching the show. Uh, We'll get to basketball. I love talking media history with Hootie. He knows it better than anyone. Renee Pettiford says, hello, Jerry and Jerry. And she says, do you think this men's basketball team is going to make it to the big dance, the NCAA tournament? Too early to say, but they certainly made a lot of headway this past week. I, I wrote a – we discussed this, I, th- I think, um, this time last week. I had written a column that uh, a lot of the fans thought the sky was falling, but that Tony Bennett had his eye on the big picture, and he wasn't sure how far he could turn this team around. He was using the Green Bay Packers analogy – Starting, they started off two and five and made it until last weekend um, in the NFL playoffs. And he, he knew it was going to be a working project. I think he felt like that it was going to be a better shooting team than it's turned out to be. Not to say that it can't develop into one, but uh, again, I, we keep saying this, but. He he cautioned us back in in the preseason October that yeah. the team you see in November will not be the same team you see in March, and we're starting to see that uh, as some of these guys are getting more acclimated to the pack line, more acclimated to his style of offense, and they they came here from different styles of of play and particularly Jordan Minor, who we'll bring up and discuss in a little while, but he um, he played four years of zone defense and no man-to-man. And for anybody that's never played basketball, that's a, 
That's a huge switch. This is the complete opposite. Especially for a big dude. Who, Absolutely. You know, because he, footwork is key, sliding, getting, being in the right position. Uh, Especially going from a lower level to an, the highest level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're facing more elite athletes, uh, bigger, stronger, faster guys. Um, so, you know, they did uh, in the past week, they, they won the two games. Uh, they brought back Dante Harris. They uh, Jordan Miter is, is re-energized some of their style of play. They finally won a game on the road. And they jumped from um, 64, I think, to 47 in the net rankings, which is – Pretty good, good jump. Pretty good leap. Yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, the, if you look at their upcoming schedule, tomorrow night is certainly going to be a test against NC State. That would be a huge feather in their cap, even though State is higher than Virginia in the ACC rankings. NC State's actually below Virginia in the net rankings. Same Good. overall record, 13-5 and five for both teams. Yeah. But as Hootie's pointed out, Wolfpack 5-2 and two in conference play. Virginia's 4-3. and three. This is a big basketball game, folks. Yeah, and State is 70-something in the net rankings. But, you know, if they can get by State at home, and as we pointed out, Virginia has the longest active home winning streak in the nation, 20 straight games, undefeated at home this year. Then they go to Louisville, chance for a win. Notre Dame comes here, chance for a win. Go to Clemson, don't know. Uh, Miami comes here. Miami's stumbling a little bit. Then they go to Florida State. And then Pitt comes in before Wake comes in. And uh, that, that takes us into almost mid-February. And then after that, you know, then, then it toughens up a little bit with games against Carolina, Duke, and Virginia Tech. A couple of those on the road. So they're going to have plenty of opportunity to get uh, the kind of wins that they need to to make the tournament. It's just too early to say right now. I I, I know Tony cautioned us the other day. He used a, some Bible scripture about uh, don't grow weary, uh, keep working, and you'll receive a harvest. He said, no, I can't guarantee that that's going to be – this season, it may not be until next season, but it sets them up well for next season if if they don't make it. Um, so, I, you know, it, it's, it's just too early to say right now. Um, you have John Emmett watching the program. Uh, thank you kindly for watching the show. you got a TV station down the road watching us right now. Viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts. I'm going to relay the questions that are on the stream to Hootie Ratcliffe. He mentions... Um, he thought this team, Tony Bennett, would be potentially a better shooting team. Um, I think we all did. And I know it's a team game, uh, but if you look at uh, an individual performance, I mean, we, I, mean, I think, you know, and I, and I hate to put attention on a young man who is a, a college player. I'm not trying to throw shade in any capacity here. Uh, but Rody in particular is, is having a difficult time uh, with his jump shot. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's on the floor because he, he plays hard. Uh, he's got length. He's got size. He, he has, he's heady. He's a good passer. He offers um, a second or third ball handler to take mm-hmm. some pressure off of Reese. Um, but, you know, from my, my standpoint, and I'm curious of your perspective, if there's one guy that can really turn the corner um, and really t- help this team go to a different level, it might be Rody uh, on this roster. Yeah, I mean, if he could become more consistent with his jump shot, uh, he could add a level to this team that uh, it's excuse me, it's missing right now. And uh, I think there's still a lot of upside by Groves and Dunn. Actually, offensively, both of those guys can elevate this team if particularly I think Groves if he can start hitting more of his three pointers because that takes some pressure off McNeely he doesn't have to hit them all even though he's warming up again he hit six the other day down in Atlanta lights out um, a couple of them were really deep too um, but uh, if Groves can become a little more proficient at the three point shot 
uh, done a little more effective down low or with a mid-range. And Rody could make a huge difference. If, I mean, if, he's shooting 26% from downtown. Yeah. Rody is. If 30, he was just hitting 36%. It would be a huge be difference. A, a diff- yeah, major difference. Because uh, his defender is sagging right now. They're almost daring him to shoot. 32% from the floor for Rody. 30% from the free throw line. And this guy gets 29-plus minutes of action. You're looking at one of your top, from minutes played, number three on the roster in minutes played behind Beekman and McNeely is Rody. Yeah, and I wonder if that will continue. But, um, you know, somebody else has to step up into those minutes. Now Harris is going to get a lot more minutes because he is recovered from his ankle injury, and he makes a huge difference in that lineup as well for – a variety of reasons on both ends of the floor. And I was talking on a couple of radio shows yesterday that one of the big differences with Miner stepping up and earning playing time and Harris returning is that both of these guys are physically and mentally tough. They had some physicality, and they're both experienced. They've been in the fight um it, it's hard to beat experience on a college well any kind of college team but particularly in basketball i think because uh i mean jordan Miner's played for four years he's seen a little bit of everything he's and, and harris i mean was the mvp of the big east tournament Bingo. as a freshman and that's a physical basketball league so he, he's not the uh, imposing guy like Miner is, but he's aggressive and he's gets in your face and he doesn't back down from anything. And they needed that extra toughness, I think, particularly on the road, but uh, at home as well. And uh, those guys, um, they both each bring some different qualities to the game. But uh, I think the experience and, and tough-mindedness is really helping this team. Uh, Miner, his insertion into the starting lineup, as Hootie has highlighted, toughness, rebounding, shot blocker, rim protector. Um, Buchanan's got significant upside, but we got to cut to the chase. He's a little, he's a little light. Uh, needs maybe another year in the weight room to get the physicality needed to play in the Atlantic Coast Conference with significant minutes and, and the bigs that he would come across in the, in, in the ACC. Talk to us about um, unpack it some more Harris and Miner and how they have absolutely um, changed the dynamic of what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people had, had totally written off Miner. Uh, it looked like maybe it, was, it just wasn't going to work. And, I mean, you got to give the kid credit for not giving up on himself. And a lot of people were encouraging him in practice and stuff. He wasn't getting to play, but mop-up minutes mostly or inserted for a couple minutes here and there. But he kept working hard. And, and that's the way to get Tony Bennett to notice you is get it done in practice. Uh, if you don't practice well, you're not going to play. And, you know, Tony uh, Tony uses some of these minutes, to, you know, people like at NC State when Virginia was getting blown out a couple of weeks ago. He put Jordan Miner in the last six or seven minutes of the game. And not, you know, a lot of people just say, well, they don't even pay attention to the last six or seven minutes in a blowout. That's when the guys on TV start telling stories about their past and and, and stuff like that. It's just a mop-up, uh, pay-no-attention time. But Tony Bennett's got his eyes on you, man. He wants to see how you're reacting on the floor in certain situations, how, you, how you're playing, how you're moving. And he saw something in Jordan Minor that day that made him give him a, a start for the next game, and he started ever since. And he's made a difference huge in difference. this basketball team. Yeah. yeah, huge difference. All the things that you mentioned a moment ago, and and plus he doesn't get pushed off the block. He, uh, you know, the the thing with Buchanan, and, and I think Buchanan will become good at this, like you said. But you know, guys are getting down low, and they're they're moving him. He's lighting the britches right now. Yeah. 
they're moving him and they're getting into their spot where they can feel comfortable shooting and are taking him off of his spot. They can't do that to minor. James Watson, welcome to the program. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville, thank you for watching the show. Um, one of the things I've noticed with Jordan Minor is not only is he offering interior presence, rebounding, scoring around the rim, finishing fairly well at the free throw line mm -hmm. uh, when he gets to the stripe. One thing that we should all watch closely, he does a hell of a job of setting screens. Yes, he does. And when he sets a screen, it's a screen that creates an opportunity for the ball handler. And he may be right now as good a screener on the roster, if not the best screener on the roster. And that's one of those um, intangibles Absolutely. that does not show up in a box score that is critically important to a basketball team. Especially in Tony Bennett's mover blocker offense because you got to have a good screener. And that's why Jack Salt played so much. It's why Cafaro played, um, somebody else in between. But um, Damon Stoudemire, the other – the night down at Georgia Tech said they wore us out with their screens. We couldn't handle it, um, and it, it made a, a major difference in the game. And that allowed some of the guards to get some of their shots and, and drive straight line drive to the basket, set up other people. Um, he said he essentially said, you know, the difference in us beating Clemson as opposed to losing to Virginia, was that Virginia's guards did whatever they wanted to. They, they had their way with us. And then a lot of that was because Jordan Minor was setting screens. And, and uh, it allowed McNeely to get open, allowed Groves to get open for a couple of shots, allowed Bigman to get open for a couple, uh, three or two. Uh, but, yeah, you, you can't put enough emphasis, emphasis on how good – that offense runs when you've got a good screener. Absolutely. Rob Craig watching the program. Rob, I, I, I caught you on television. Uh, it was nice to see you on press row. That beard uh, is looking fantastic, Rob Craig. He says, uh, mine, actually not press row, he's at the scorer's table. Mm -hmm. um, he says, Miner is playing with confidence for the first time since he came to Charlottesville, and wow, does it show. Chad Wood watching the program. This guy bleeds orange and blue. He says, just took Miner a little time defensively as he got comfortable playing zone. Miner makes a huge difference for this ball club. Miner makes a significant difference for this ball club. Chad Wood, well said. Logan Wells Kalelo watching the program. Let's go to Buckhead, Georgia. Uh, Thomas watching him, Buckhead. He says, Jerry, ask Hootie this question. What's the best starting lineup for this team? Seems to me if he had Beekman and Harris in the backcourt with McNeely, Dunn, and Miner in the front court, you'd have a pretty darn good starting five. I totally agree. And I, I think we'll see more of that as we go along. Um, those, are, those are the – Those are the five best players. Those are the five best players, the five most effective players. Yeah. Uh, you can bring Groves in for some energy off the bench. You can bring Buchanan in to spell Miner, give him – a, a blow. Bond comes in as a as an athletic, quick, explosive wing. Yep, and uh, and 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 Tane Murray could get a couple of minutes here and there. But yeah, I, I totally agree with him that that's the best starting lineup, and that's I, I imagine that's who we're going to see from here on out. Uh, this is a great question from Jennifer, who's watching the beach area for you, Hootie. Um, she says, do you think they regret lifting Gertrude's red shirt now? He seems to be the odd man out. Uh, that's debatable, I guess. Um, at the time, I don't think they had any choice at the time because with Harris out, that left them without... Uh, Guard depth. Uh, yeah, exactly. And Rody was getting tons of minutes, but... Um, it would be nice to hang on to a, a guy's red shirt like that if you can. But uh, and again, he was he was playing so well in practice that they felt like they couldn't keep him on the bench. And that, that's what you want from your guys is I'm going to play so well, I'm going to practice so hard that they have to play me. Uh, there's only so many minutes to go around, so. 
it, it might have been nice. To, and then again, you gotta you gotta think about this too. I mean, it's, knock on wood, you hope that they don't have any more injuries. But if somebody uh, goes down for a game or two or or whatever, or gets in foul trouble, you still gotta have some playable depth and somebody you can rely on. And so. It's debatable, probably either way. I don't know if they're going to regret it or not, but um, he was all for it. He was excited about it, and you know, he it, it, the season's still fairly young. He can still play his way into more minutes if he can become more trustworthy with the ball. And Gertrude Guys is going to be a better player as he's, he get. He's going to be tremendous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going to be tremendous. I mean, you, you're looking at, and it, you may not see it right now, but you, you may be looking at the most explosive, best all-around player on the roster right now. But he's the first year. Uh, and right now, unfortunately, he's lacking a little bit of confidence. Lacking some confidence with ball handling, certainly lacking confidence with his shooting ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and confidence goes really far when you're 18, 19 years old. Um, and, okay. and, and especially with a guy that uh, is, is fresh to college basketball. John Allison giving you props. Nancy Farrell Johnson giving Hootie Ratcliffe props. If you have questions, put them in the feed. I'll relay them live on air. Questions are coming in fast and furious. I see the, um, the zest or the excitement for Virginia basketball back. And it's, it's, it's funny, and we, this is a cliche, winning cures everything. Absolutely. And it certainly cures everything for fickle fan bases. Um, this time uh, last week, folks were calling for Coach Bennett's head. And now, right now, he's taking a few loaves and a couple of fishes and feeding the hundreds and walking on water again. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give, even though they're not a sponsor. You got some Dr. I'll, Pepper. I'll, I'll give, uh, it's the Dr. Pepper sent commercial syndrome that I keep referring to it's the one where uh, the guys are burning their jerseys and throwing their food in the floor and giving up and going crazy and and the sheriff steps in and say guys it's only the first game of the season so uh, tends uh, fans tend to reach for the panic button a lot earlier than than coaches do who see see the how hard these guys work and practice and you look at it last week at this time, Jerry, and, and and what's changed with this team in only a week. They're right now tied for sixth place in the ACC. They're a half game behind Duke for fifth place. They're one full game behind being tied for second place. I know. With, with one second, full game. With second place coming into Charlottesville tomorrow. Exactly. So um, don't – don't reach for the panic button, so <laughs> you give you, you've got a Hall of Fame coach here who is, you know, some of his teams in the past have had hiccups and ended up in the final eight or or, or even beyond that. And they're these are smart guys. They're analyzing their own team. They're trying to figure out various things, and sometimes it, it takes a while to. Bring a team around. It, it, the best of the, this team is probably yet to come. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, don't uh, don't lose your faith so early. I would say the only players potentially on the roster right now that are touching or at their their peak performance are McNeely and Beekman. Who else on the roster can we say? is performing to their truest or, or finest form. Not Rhodey. Harris still is coming into his own. I still don't think he's 100%. Right. Um, Ryan Dunn, let's cut to the chase. Ryan Dunn is a work in progress offensively. Mm-hmm. I think that's very safe to say. Um, Miner, I think, showing flashes here. If he can find even more consistency, he's going to get confidence and, be, and perform even better. I mean... Two players on this roster are playing arguably at peak performance. The rest of the roster is not there yet. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of time to grow. I mean, there's like 15, 16 games left. So uh, we're only about halfway through the season. So there's a, and, and you, you know, they usually step up during conference play and, and play their best basketball anyway. So... Yeah, I, the best basketball should be ahead 
Uh, I mean, it's, they're going to have some setbacks for sure. But um, they can play their way into a pretty nice position if they continue to grow the way they have over the past week. This is a great question. Um, Andy's watching the program right now. Uh, Andy, let us know where you're watching. We'll relay it live on air. Um, and he says this, how does the coaching staff get Rody on track? Rody came in with the reputation of being a prolific scorer and, an, uh, and a sharpshooter from outside. He appears to be neither right now, and it seems the game is moving too fast for him. He seems to be an important, per, an important cog on this team, and he's watching in Western North Carolina. I think just to keep working and work hard in practice, and I'm sure he's getting up extra shots. They have uh, they have uh, some some things that where they can shoot and get the rebound if they don't have somebody to rebound for them. But I'm sure he's getting up extra shots and working hard, trying to rediscover his shooting touch. And I mean, he's right. He he was a prolific scorer. Back at uh, St. Thomas, was it? Um, and you know, some people say, "Well, that was a smaller basketball division." But Tony Bennett has told us time and again that if you can play, you can play. It doesn't matter what level of college basketball you're on. Uh, he proved that himself when he was at Green Bay, and still holds the. That was in the early 90s, and he still holds the NCAA record for three-point shooting accuracy. Uh, so it's just a matter of him regaining his confidence. Uh, he he does some other things well. I mean, he plays defense well. Passes he, the he's ball a good well. good passer. Yeah. Um, he's he's got smart. height and length. Yeah, he's a smart kid. Yeah. Um, he can handle the ball as a third option. I, I think it's just – it, it boils down to how hard he works and, and if he can get his confidence back. Uh, you never know. With He's starting kid. to pass on open lo- open looks now. Yeah, he is. And, and, and that's that, concerning. That shows you that he has no he's confidence. thinking about it. Yeah. And it's in his head. So um, you just have to work your way out of it. It's like a, being a, a, a really good hitter and you get into a batting slump and there's no easy way out of it. You just got to keep uh, working and, and hope that you can get it, get it back to what you had. And Hootie's exactly right. Um, St. Thomas, Rody, um, and all summit first team performer at St. Thomas, uh, all summit league. He was the freshman of the year in the summit league. Um, he averaged 17 points a game. He shot 45% from the field. 32% from downtown, and 82% from the stripe. That shows you right there. He's What's a shooter. He shooting free throws now? Did he, you say 30% or something? He was like shooting 82, 81.5% last year, and currently his free throw shooting percentage is 30%. Yeah, that shows you that it's in his head right there. I mean... It, it's free throws. <laughs> right, it's free throws. Something that he's been doing at an 80% clip his entire life, except for maybe the last three months. I mean, that puts it in perspective. Yeah, no question uh, about it. Um, Chad Wood says, um, I took Rody to uh, ACAC and showed him a few things. I expect improvement soon. He's joking <laughs> right there, uh, Chad Wood. And he says he typically ignores those folks that are calling for Tony Bennett's job. So do we, Chad Wood. We ignore those folks as well. Um, That's preposterous. It's absolutely preposterous. It is absolutely preposterous. This man should have the court named after him, should have a statue outside the John Paul Jones Arena. And those that are calling for his head do not realize how difficult life was during the Dave Lado and, and Pete Gillen eras. Exactly. Uh, uh, they would have killed for a mediocre uh, season. Exactly right. Right, exactly right. Um, questions are coming in fast and furious for Hootie Ratcliffe. This is a good one for you, Hootie. Um, do you see this Virginia basketball team getting a victory and continuing the wave against NC State? Oh, and before we go there, uh, just just think back. Some of you are too young to remember this. I'm certainly not, and Jerry's not either, but just think about what George Welsh did here. Virginia was the laughing stock of college football until George Welsh showed up and made them a model of consistency. 
uh, played in the Sugar Bowl, uh, was number one in the nation at one time, had some prolific offenses. People weren't satisfied. They said, he can't take us to the next level. <laughs> so they essentially ran him off. That's right. They would kill for some of George Welsh's seven and three, eight and three uh, seasons now. And so be, you know, be careful what you wish for, okay? Um, I, th- I think they can beat NC State. Uh, we saw the other night that State is vulnerable when the Hokies went into Raleigh and PNC Arena. I guess it's still PNC. Maybe it's something else. But um, and, and beat the Wolfpack there. And there's no reason Virginia can't do that here. Virginia uh, plays better at home. There's no question about it. We, statistics bear that out. Uh, which we pointed out last week in a column before they went to Georgia Tech, but they're uh, almost a different animal here in the friendly confines. And believe, excuse me, believe it or not, they they really feed off the crowd's energy here. I I don't know how many players have told me that, and it gets gets them going. So a good crowd certainly helps, and. Uh, they they have the they have the personnel to beat NC State. There's no question about it. They they didn't play well down there. Uh, State was kind of ready for an ambush. I think they knew that Virginia was struggling on the road. Uh, maybe lacked a little confidence. And uh, the Parker kid from Richmond had an outstanding game. Uh, I think dominant. He, he kind of snuck up on them a little bit. I think they'll be ready for him. Uh, they seem to have an answer for DJ Burns down in the paint, especially now with Minor uh, evolving. And you know, if McNeely and Groves, even Bigman, can hit some three pointers early, I think that's going to help. Uh, they need to avoid getting off to a slow start and and making it hard on themselves by digging digging themselves into a hole because sometimes. It's not easy coming back if you fall behind early. And, and they were able to do it at Georgia Tech. They were behind 24 to 14 and then went on a 19 to 5 run. And that's one thing they got to do. I, uh, there's a basketball um, statistical analyst who uh, sent me a, a message the other day. And he said, this, this is really killing Virginia is that they have given up more 10-0 runs than almost any team in America. And that's that. And I look back, and he's right. And I think the only 10-0 run in their favor came at Georgia Tech the other day. Um, so they they've got to be really leery of of doing that and giving up 10 10-0 or more runs. Uh, that can completely take you out of a game. So uh, I, that's something they need to watch out for. One of our uh... Viewers and listeners, one of our most favorite ones that watches our 1230 show, the I Love Seville show, he goes by the moniker Deep Throat, and he's, okay. routine, he's routinely sending us fantastic content to talk about on, on air, and he said, he sent us a screenshot about why Lee Enterprises sucks right now. They have an open position for the Virginia sports director, Lee Enterprises does. This is basically the sports editor here. What do you think the uh, yearly pay is for this position that they're offering? I want to guess thirty-two, twenty k to twenty-four thousand dollar range. Ooh, I mean that's you can't live on that. You're not living on that. You're you're, not, you're gonna no. be having multiple other jobs if you take this job. Uh, so he highlights that. John Allison, uh, for you, Hootie. How do the coaches help Ryan Dunn go from good to great offensively? Uh, I don't know if the coaches can do it. I think Ryan has to do it himself. And I, he's a very driven kid. He's really got a, a, a good head on his shoulders. And he takes a lot of counsel from his dad and from his older brother, who um, was a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. I think he might be a free agent. I don't know if he has re-signed with the Reds or not. But it's somebody who he's listened to for a long time. I think his brother pitched at Boston College. 
I believe. Um, but he, he's he's a real a real heady guy, and he knows exactly what he has to do. It's just a matter of of getting in the gym and, and working harder. And uh, I, sometimes he seems reluctant, but I, I think he has to become more aggressive with the basketball offensively. Ever he does everything else on the court superbly. Uh, in fact. Um, you look at some of the statistics he's he's doing some things that no other player in college basketball has done for two or three seasons or, or longer so blocks rebounds deflections mm-hmm. steals yeah uh finishes at the rim uh it's a fantastic defender on the wing has got the length to defend in the post although at times he can get pushed around because he doesn't have the uh the weight yet to defend inside. I mean, his upside's significant, and he's performing in in levels that don't show up in the box score for sure, but we do see the job shooting deficiencies. Yeah, and and that's something that he knows that he's going to have to shore up because if at the next level... He's got to make those. He's got to make those shots. uh, Because DeAndre Hunter does, and that's the comparison to DeAndre. Yeah, he's he's pigeonholed into that kind of position, offensive position on the floor. So uh, those guys live and die with the, with the uh, jumper. And and he's capable. It's just a matter of time before he molds himself into that kind of shooter. He's basically saying he doesn't have the, uh, the physicality to play four, so he's probably going to be a wing three at the next level. Most likely. And that yeah. wing three often is uh, hitting, you know, open on that corner three. Yep. And he's got to bury that. And DeAndre Hunter does that. You see the photo with DeAndre talking to Coach Bennett? Yeah, he came to warm-ups down came at to warm- uh, He is Georgia massive. He's a, he's a big dude. <laughs> he's put on – I mean, and he was already – What do you, this is a phrase you like to use. He already had a, a – you call it a body of Adonis, an Adonis body, mm-hmm. uh, while he was in Charlesville at UVA. He's put on even more muscle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just part of becoming a grown man. Right, grown man. And right. – uh, uh, and, you know, those NBA trainers, just like Mike Curtis at Virginia, they know how to build these guys. And and he has to be durable because he, he takes some physical pounding in there. And, uh, you know, <laughs> these guys play, the college guys play like 30 games, and, you know, that's, that's not even half an NBA season. So these guys, they've got to be physically – strong to handle that kind of a workload and not only not to mention just the travel that goes along with it can wear people down so they they've got to be in peak physical condition and and ready to go night in and night out and it's it's a real grind i'm telling you john roche watching in uh reston virginia he's giving you some props right now um, viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts. Ace, thank you for the retweet. We appreciate you on Twitter. Um, this is a, a, a basketball team that's got a critical contest tomorrow night against NC State right here in the John Paul Jones Arena, 7 o'clock tip. ACC Network's got the broadcast. Keys to victory for this Virginia Hoops team, Hootie. I think they just had to keep doing what they've been doing. Uh, they, uh, I think they need to be aggressive offensively from the get-go, not let themselves fall behind and let NC State dictate the pace. I thought the pace down in Raleigh was something that was in favor of the Wolfpack. Um, They can't have defensive breakdowns like they had down there because State got just way too many easy baskets. State couldn't miss. Exactly, and uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. I think the defense will step up. And, and again, having Dante Harris in there, that gives you two in-your-face on-ball defenders that are not going to let their guards have their way and set up their teammates and and be able to drive to the basket uh, they, they they couldn't do that down in Raleigh because Harris wasn't around and um, Rhodey is he, he, as good as defense as he can play. He's a little slower than some of the guards that he's going up against. So uh, I, I, th- I think establishing pace of the game early 
uh, it would be nice for Virginia if McNeely can hit a couple of early threes and get that going, uh, spread the floor, make state uh, work on defense. And again, uh, and Virginia doesn't turn the ball over very much, so I don't think that's going to happen. But um, just to play better pack line defense and then make the state earn anything it gets instead of getting so many easy baskets like they did the last time. You got a prediction? You got Virginia winning this game? I think Virginia's going to come back and win this game. I think they need to make a statement. And uh, again, they play so well at home. Uh, the crowd, I think, will be energized. And uh, again, I don't, I don't know. How, every player that's played here in in years talks about how much they feed off the crowd. So I, I think that'll help them in some tight spots. They just got to make sure they don't fall behind early and and have to play catch up. Um, viewers and listeners, 7 o'clock tip tomorrow night, John Paul Jones Arena, a key matchup for the Who's building their tournament resume. We'll talk Kamora Johnson, ACC Rookie of the Week, the 2024 ACC football schedule released tonight as well. We'll chatter that. Um, your clear-cut best team, I mean, I think the answer is crystal clear. You, I don't want to speak for you. I mean, UNC is 8-0 and 16-3 and overall. Carolina's head and shoulders above everybody else <laughs> They're right loaded. now. They're loaded. They've had some good recruiting years. And, I mean, they, they don't seem to have a weakness that I've seen. I haven't watched them a whole lot, but uh, they're really hard to beat. And, and nobody in this conference has beaten them. So, uh, again, we're just now getting into the meat of the ACC schedule. So, I don't think they're going to run the table. But uh, they're going to be awfully hard to beat. Right now it's them, and then there's a huge pack in the middle maybe a much bigger middle than we're accustomed to. There's usually three or four teams separate themselves by now. We don't have that separation at the moment. And uh, there's a, a, definitely a lower tier uh, way down at the bottom with Louisville and a couple of those teams. But uh, I think Wake Forest is a pretty darn good basketball team. Um, they did show some vulnerability losing against NC State. Uh, and, and the Wolfpack is is very strong. And Duke is, is, I think, the typical Duke team that they have so many young guys that they get better and they're geared toward peaking at the right time. 100%. Duke's 12 in the country in both polls. North Carolina, 3 in the country in both polls. We haven't seen the best Duke basketball team yet. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Clemson, we're still wondering if they're the, the um, what did I call them, the uh, spray tan of the ACC <laughs> where they look good early and then they wear off. But uh, And Miami, I think, uh, has a, some issues. They're, they're not a great rebounding team. Um, they have some defensive problems. Florida State, I haven't seen Florida State very much, but they're kind of sneaky uh, sneaky good. They're they're kind of working their way back toward the top of the league. So well, I haven't seen much of them. I'm interested to catch one of their games soon. Um, guys, we'll talk uh, Kamora Johnson here. NC State, John Paul Jones Arena tomorrow. Um, I see the viewers and listeners extremely excited for this game. Olivia Branch, thank you kindly for watching. Lisa Costello, hello. Catherine Lochner, hello. We appreciate you watching the program. Football schedule tonight, ACC Network. Oh, yeah, and, and Kamora, by the way, or 35 points at Florida State in that huge win. Uh, there's only one other freshman in AC, in uh, UVA women's basketball history. That Don Staley? 35 points. Is it Don? The, and, and the incomparable Don Staley. Yeah, and, she's amazing. Uh, that's, that's some high cotton if you're uh, having the same kind of numbers of Don Staley because she's still, uh, in my mind, the, the best woman uh, player I ever saw. And, 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 you know, talking about Mo Johnson here, St. Anne's Belfield product, she's yeah. local. Uh, the importance of, of having local talent on the roster. Uh, Sam Brunel, another, another local performer. I mean, it, Olivia it, McGee uh, from yeah, Louisa. From Louisa. It's, it's, it's um, created a level of engagement with women's basketball teams that I haven't seen in, in a while. A long while. A long while. Yeah. Uh... I don't know that they've ever had uh, 
three women, three local women on on their team. So that that's uh, something really cool. It's really for the cool. area, and, and uh, those two freshmen. Wow! By the time they leave here, <laughs> who knows what what they're going to do? Well said. Um, throw the football schedule into the mix oh, for the yeah. viewers and listeners. Let me get, let me call it up. I had it up just a minute ago. This ain't an easy schedule, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's it's tough. Uh, for the first time in in a, in a while, they're playing all their non-conference games in a row uh, to start the season. Richmond here. August 31st, Maryland, they get in, I guess they get get a bye week, which is kind of weird having one that early. I wouldn't think they would like that very much. I don't much. think anyone would want that. Uh, but then they host Maryland in a rematch from this past season. Uh, did Tagaviola, uh, tag, he's, he's, he's yeah, yeah, he tried to get an extra year, but I don't think they permitted it. So I, I guess he's gone. Uh, then they're at Coastal, Con, uh, Coastal Carolina down in Conway, Myrtle Beach. That'll be interesting. First road game of the season. Then they go to Notre Dame. Uh, certainly that's not going to be an easy game. Uh, Boston College here, Louisville here, North Carolina here, SMU here, four, four home games in a row. Um, Louisville could be. Uh, fighting for the ACC title again next year. They had 24 players come in in the transfer portal, Jerry, and that's that's huge. That's, I, I think they've all enrolled <laughs> for spring practice. <laughs> they were already fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they were already good. Yeah, and uh, North Carolina, I think, has uh, has like 20, 15 or 20 guys coming enrolling early for their spring practice. So Carolina. Should be good again. They've made. They got. They've essentially parted ways with Gene Chiswick. They're trying to strengthen their defense, so they could be better. Uh, I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. SMU, um, unknown quality to some degrees, having um, become a new member of the ACC. Uh, the Ponies are, are are pretty decent, though. They were. They were. Uh, one of the teams fighting for a New Year's six-day bowl spot. Then they go to Clemson, for goodness sake. I mean, you got to go to Notre Dame. you got to go to Clemson. Um, then they they go to Pitt. Then they go to Virginia Tech. And this is that the last game of the season is Wake Forest. I don't know if that's going to stay that way or not. That would be uh, somewhat untraditional if they're not playing the Hokies in the last game of the season. So maybe that will shuffle. Um, but uh, that's a pretty demanding schedule with road games at Notre Dame, at Clemson, at Virginia Tech. Um, there's not a lot of not a lot of give-me's on that schedule. So Tony Elliott and his staff are certainly going to be challenged. So make or break year. Things around in in the in, in the make or break year. Yeah, it's a make or break year for Coach Elliott. We wish uh, Coach Elliott and his staff nothing but the best. But this is a make or break year for this football team and its coaching staff. Roger Voisinet, um, the legend, giving you some props here. Roger Voisinet would love some hockey coverage. Uh, you know, that's that's one sport that I don't know. I enjoy watching hockey, but I can't say that I. I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm the same now. way. He highlights the fact that uh, the club team is performing at a high level. Maybe he'll have to he'll have to give me some uh, personal um, lessons on on the uh, intricacies of hockey. The one-time coach of the UVA hockey team. Roger Absolutely, yeah. 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 And they were good. They were very good. Mr. Woolen Mills himself, Roger Voisinet. We got nothing but love for you. Uh, Roger. Uh, Jerry Ratcliffe um, is the publisher and namesake of jerryratcliffe.com. I'm on, I sincerely mean this. I am on his website, jerryratcliffe.com, every single day. He is churning and creating content um, around this Virginia athletic department that no one else is matching. Um, his institutional memory, his 40 plus years on the beat, his talent as a writer, and his Rolodex, his network of folks to chatter and interview and and, and speak with our, our second to none. Um, we're fortunate to have Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe and jerryratcliffe.com. I encourage you to, set, to uh, check out his website. Uh, some closing thoughts, my friend, for the viewers and listeners. 
Uh, we didn't get around to it, but maybe next week we can talk about uh, some of the more exotic places I've traveled to during my career. But um, uh, What's the most exotic place, is it? Mm-hmm. Most exotic place you've been to? It's got to uh, be knowing you somewhere warm. Well, actually Tokyo. Tokyo? And then uh, actually they weren't warm. And, uh, and Anchorage, Alaska were okay. two of the more exotic places. But uh, Did you do any of the Maui trips? I didn't. Oh no, we talked I haven't Hawaii. Been to Hawaii. Been Hawaii. Unfortunately, right. I, I passed. I sent other staffers to Hawaii for three or four times. So I kind of wish I had taken one of those trips. Now, are most of the trips associated the exotic ones with college football bowl games? Uh, no, both both of these were basketball. Were basketball. Uh, the Alaskan shootout and uh, the Suntory Classic uh, against uh, Lama Jamma. In Tokyo, right after the big Virginia Georgetown Ralph Sampson Patrick Ewing uh, slugfest up in D.C., which was uh, the game of the century at the time. There you go. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk travel in the next edition of the show. And for those that are asking, we'll save some of these questions for Hootie, including um, what is Ralph Sampson up to these days? I see him on the court. Uh, talking to players and handshaking fans um, on the television broadcast. We'll talk Ralph Sampson next week yeah. uh, with Hootie. Yeah. Um, check out jerryratcliffe.com. Judah Wickhauer behind the camera. My name is Jerry Miller. The show archived at jerryratcliffe.com. Yes. Archived yeah. wherever you get your podcasting content and social media and archived on ilovesevil.com. Tuesdays at 10, 15 a.m., um, I think unmatched coverage. Uh, from a podcasting and, and audiovisual standpoint, and I just followed the lead of the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer. Thank you for joining us. The I Love Seville show is up in approximately one hour. Take care, everybody. Welcome the viewers and listeners, China. Great question.